Welcome to Writer's Tricks of the Trade. I'm Morgan St. James, and my co-host, Eric J. Miller, and I will, are going to welcome our guest, Deborah Kuntz, an award-winning author of the Lucky O'Toole Las Vegas Adventure series and a new romance series. Her first book, Want to Get Lucky, was included in the New York Times Notable Crime Books of 2010. And it was a double finalist for the Romance Writers of America's 2011 Rita Award in two categories, Best First Book and Novel with Strong Romantic Elements. She says her debut series is based in Las Vegas because, well, the whole world wanders through Vegas, and Eric and I can certainly attest to that, can't we, Eric? Well, I think we uh, sometimes like to think so. But, uh, Deborah, first off, congratulations on the success of the Lucky series. What is it now with that? That's 10 counting the novellas, right? Um, Gosh, I've lost count, but I think so. I think it's six novels and four novellas. One of them is sort of a twofer. I put two parts, each of which are um, a novella on their own, and put them together in um, Lucky Now and Then, one and two, because they just went together. So. Right, so they I, kind I of just, bridged. You know, went ahead and did that. Right, they kind of bridged a couple of the novels, right? Yeah, I mean, they're you know, I use the novellas as sort of between the book fun things to do. You know, that I wouldn't normally do in the novels. You know, I'll take secondary characters that people seem to like, or right. or just some theme you know that I like, and I'll play with that a little bit more in the novellas, and people seem to like it. Um, you know, it's an ensemble. The the novels are ensemble novels, so um, people do get a little bit um, invested in the whole ensemble, and it's nice. Um, they like it when I can take some of the lesser characters and elaborate on them a little bit. Right. I'm starting to do that in my series too. I highly recommend them to the to the listeners out there. I, I think they're one of the best um, wry, intelligent, and and modern parallel universes set in Vegas that's uh, that's out there. You know, if because they really ring they really ring true. And sometimes I'm actually I'm looking for the Babylon when I'm when I'm on the strip. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny I. Uh... I got this email out of the blue from, you know, just from some fella, and it started off with, I hate you. I was like, oh, this is going to go well. And, um, and and it turns out he was a bus driver, and occasionally he drove cabs. Oh, my God. And he said from time to time people would get in his cab at the airport and say, and, you know, of course, there is no such thing and um, right. until some enterprising, you know, person comes in and, and creates one. But um, he just, he finally had to figure out what the Babylon was, and then he started reading the stories, and he and his buds read the stories. And the only thing that they could quibble with me about was the covers looked too girly. So, you know, I figure out. Well, I, I got to agree. I can, I can live with that. But, you know, I'm a guy. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, with the advent of digital reading, nobody cares anymore anyway, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. Covers, cover I think your like. covers are great. I think I think they're really, really okay. good. But also, congratulations on the launch of your new series, Heart of Napa. That that just released today, right? It did. The first the first book in that series is called Crushed, 
And um, of course, I'm sure people will be shocked to know that it, it that it has to do with wine. And, no kidding. Um, so it's, <laughs> I know. I know. Go figure, right? And I just, you know, it's funny. I, I have a good friend in Vegas who's who's um, an enophile, and and he introduced me to. Um, a lot of wine and and took me to Napa and and I had never been there and I just fell in love with that whole sensual sort of evocative passionate uh, world and I was like I gotta I gotta write a story here and right. it turned out it's going to be about six or seven stories there but um, I fell in love with Northern California and um, had a blast of course researching wine how bad yeah, is no, that I know you did. And yeah, as long no, as you no, can walk straight so afterwards. <laughs> right. Well, right. you know, the problem was I started having to take notes because I couldn't remember what I talked about. You know, have to yeah, Nap is a it, great place. Oh, well, yeah. Well, more about it's, that it's in a minute. But, oh, well, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, we're we're going off script, so so go ahead. Yeah, we are a little where, bit. Where do you want so. to start? Um, well, let's let's get to, we'll get to more about that in, in, in the new series in a minute. But just for our listeners, um, uh, you've you've been everything from a mom to a business owner to an accountant, uh, a wife, a pilot, and I know you've been a flight instructor and a lawyer, and you know you were even a tax lawyer, but we won't say anything. And now you're a national best-selling hey, hey, murderer. Hey, I was fighting the government, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You were a good tax lawyer. You were, you were one of the good ones. I, I was, I was but a now you're a best-selling murderer and, and rom-com author. Let's, let's just interview 101 here, and, and let's start with how you found an agent and got published. You know, it's... It, you know, everybody has these random stories, and and I have my own random story. And but I think there's some some pearls of wisdom in it um, for for listeners and for people who are looking for an agent. Um, I I really wrote for a long time with no expectation of getting published. I just have been a story lover from the get go, and I just one day wanted to figure out how. People wrote stories, you know, all these wonderful stories that I read, and how did people do it? And so I sat down to try and figure it out. And I think if I knew now or knew then what I know now, I might rethink that. But it's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. But uh, but it's been a wonderful ride and, and a hoot. And one of the first things I did when I sort of you know got this bug to to write novels, I went to the Southwestern Writers Conference back then, I, I think it's it's close, the name of it now is close to it, but it was run by Tony Hillerman and it was in um, Albuquerque. And I was yeah, living I in Colorado at the time and so it was, you know, a four-hour drive down there. And, and I had no idea what I was doing, not and one iota of a clue what I was doing. And um, I went to dinner you know, one of those dinners where one of the agents or editors that uh, attended the conference had to host a table. And so I sat down at a table that was hosted by this agent from New York. And we got to chatting and, and we sort of hit it off just as as personalities, not as, as writer agents, because I certainly had absolutely nothing to talk to her about uh, in terms of, of work product. And 
And through the years, I, she lived in New York, and and I just I just kept in touch with her. And I'd reach out to her, and if I went to New York on business or I or whatever, I would say, hey, can I take you out to lunch? And she would go. And we just you know we just chatted, and and we were friends first. And after I wrote Want to Get Lucky, which was actually my third full manuscript, and it was the first one that I thought actually had some possibility of being close to what I wanted it to be. And so I called her up and I said, well, you know how we've been friends for a long time? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, you know how I've never asked you for anything? And she goes, yeah. And I said, well. (laughs) And I said, "I, I just, could you just read this? Just read a few pages and tell me if I am completely nuts. Because Want to Get Lucky is a bit of a departure from traditional mainstream stories. And and I broke some rules in it and, and did a lot of things that as a beginning novelist I was told, you know, I should never do. And so I sent it to her and she was gracious enough to say that she would read it. And one night... She'd had it for a bit, and one night, and this is how the story goes. Obviously, I wasn't there, but this is how she recounted it. She um, decided that she better sit down and look at it, and she really wasn't looking forward to it because, you know, she thought, oh, God, you know, this is really an awkward position. And so it was late at night, and she thought, well, I'll just glance at it and try and figure out something nice to say to Deb to let her, you know, let her down easy. And so she started reading it. She was sitting in her big wing-back chair by her bay window overlooking Riverside Drive and, and the Hudson River in New York. And she she started reading and she started laughing. And she just giggled away. And then her husband walks by on his way to bed and he gets about halfway down the hall and he stops and he turns around and he comes back and he says, what are you reading? And she says, oh, you know my kooky friend in Las Vegas? He goes, uh-huh. <laughs> and she goes, well, it's her book, and he goes, is, is it any good? And she said, yeah, yeah, it's actually really pretty good. And it's really funny. And he, and he said, well, huh, do you think she'd mind if I read a little bit? And my friend, the agent, said, oh, you know, I don't think so. Go ahead. And so he, you know, takes couple, you know, three or four chapters and, and trots off down the hall. And about 30 minutes later, he comes back. And he says, can I have some more? And so they did that. They tag-teamed until they both had finished the novel. And he calls me the next morning at 8 o'clock in the morning, New York time. I'm in Las Vegas. And he says, hi, my name is Bob Gleason, and I just read your your novel, Want to Get Lucky, and I'm a senior editor at Tor Forge, and I'd like to buy your book. And so that's how it all happened. And his wife ended up representing me, and which we can talk about at another time. <laughs> it was perhaps not the wisest choice, um, but um, that's how you know that's how it happened. And it was really networking. It was totally networking and reaching out to somebody and staying in touch with somebody and not being intimidated by the fact that they were an agent. I was really impressed with that fact. I just thought she was a nice lady, and so. You know, I kept in touch, and look what happened. And That's so, a great story. you know, for yeah. for all the, I know people will ask me all the time, "How do I find an agent?" I said, "Go to writers' conferences and talk. You know, talk to them. They're there. 
you know, and if they come, they're looking for a product. And so talk to them and Definitely. follow up. Did you know that that about 80% of the people that agents meet at writers' conferences where the agent requests a partial manuscript or a full manuscript, 80% of those writers never send it? Really? That's amazing. They just wow. don't? Yeah, I know, well, and it's like, well, what are you, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's crazy. Right. Um, well, you know, Deb, your talent had to enter into it too, though, because it's really great to have fate, you know, kind of step in where you happen to know this woman whose husband happened to be a senior editor, but once you get your foot in the door, you have to deliver, and it's been what, close to six years now since Wanna Get Lucky came out. I know, I can't I think in 2010. And, oh, my God, publishing has evolved faster than a quick change artist. So what changes have you seen since then? Oh, man. Well, I've had one of those, you know, one of those wild rides um, in publishing. And And I had a wonderful publisher, and um, I, I was published by, by Forge, which is a division of Macmillan in New York, and a, and a small team, and they loved Lucky, and they were very supportive, and they were delightful. And But here we are publishing a funny, you know, romantic mystery set in Las Vegas in the year of Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Oh, God. And so nobody wanted to read, you know, rom-com it was i mean and chiclet or whatever you want to call it i mean lucky doesn't really fit in either one of those categories but it's close enough and that was dead i mean dead 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 and Didn't lucky ever um, even though it was critically <laughs> i think we need one and you know i thought about it but you know she seemed like an ankle tattoo quite have that you know she does, totally. Or a butterfly on her, you know what, or something. I don't know. Oh, but yeah, anyway. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Lightning bolt, a lightning bolt. There you go. <laughs> but, um, you know, it just, I don't know, it just, it was one of those bad timing things, even though the book was very well received, very well reviewed, very, you know, people loved it. Even Marilyn Stasio at, at New York Times loved it, which is, like, you know, my publisher was like, oh, my God, you know, and I was like, okay, you know. And I I, I was so clueless. I still couldn't believe that I was actually, you know, a book was getting published and, and that had my name on it. And actually it was totally terrifying for me rather than exhilarating. Um, there was a lot of me in in the Lucky books, and since it's written no. in the first person, and, you know, there's a lot of me. And so it was very odd to put myself out there to people that I don't even know in in that sort of way. But I've gotten used to it now. But anyway, back to your question. Um, you know, Forge published, see how many books did they publish of Lucky? They published four, I guess, in hardcover, national release. You know, don't get me started about how awful Barnes & Noble is. But, you know, it was just one thing after another um, at that time. You know, Borders, the mystery buyer at Borders loved Lucky, put them in every Borders store. So what did Borders do? It went bankrupt. Oh, my God. And so it was just sort of a comedy of errors that was rather horrifying and certainly not anything that I could do anything about. And and my publisher, you know how New York is, you know, they, they react 
they react glacially to anything that happens. And they just were sort of deer in, in the headlights. They didn't know what was going on in publishing, and they couldn't see how to react. And then, you know, the economy went off a cliff, and the Amazon Kindle caught fire. And and those two things changed life as we know it in the traditional publishing world, at least in my in you know in my experience, you know, people were no longer willing to buy, you know buy a hardcover, especially as a debut novelist um, or a rookie novelist at you know 27 bucks or 28 bucks, and um, you know, and and then the publisher, my publisher was still pricing my ebooks at 14.99. Oh my lord! And you know when Kindle, yeah, I would you know, are you kidding? You know, people buy. I was amazed that I sold any books at all, and because books have become commoditized, people do look at price, and they have to. Yeah. You know, people are struggling economically even still, and certainly not yeah. as badly as as we all were, you know, four or five years ago. But it's still an issue, and and if you can get an you know a really ebook for four ninety nine. Who's going to pay fourteen ninety nine for one? Yeah, oh my God, that's and, the price of a trade paperback. I know, I know. And they would, I would go and tell them, and they would look at me like I had two heads. You know, <laughs> they just did not get what I was talking about. And I think they get it now. But when it came time to the fifth book, um, they had paid me for the fifth book, and I went to them and I said, I, I can't do this anymore. I just, and they're like, what? You know, I said, I, you guys are publishing me into no career. And I, you're not listening to me in pricing. You know, you just don't understand what's happening. You know, you know people in New York. They they just really don't get it that that people well, live on the other they're side of the Hudson, you know. Right. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I just said, I can't, I can't do it. I'll, I'll buy it back from you. I'll give you your money back and take my book back. And through a, a weird bunch of events, um, I got all of my books back, and and which was the absolute most fortuitous thing that could have happened in my writing career, because now I had all of my backlist in order to, to price them appropriately and low price the first one. I, in fact, I give Want to Get Lucky, Want to Get Lucky is free on any digital um, format out there. You know, you can go download it today for nothing. And, you know, it was a New York Times notable crime novel, but hopefully you like it enough that you'll read the rest. And um, that has changed my life. It, um, I mean, it makes me more of a businessman and less of a writer, but I like that. I, I wear that hat okay. And so, you know, I like being in control, and I'm making more money now than I ever made um, being traditionally published. Cool. That's well, a great... Um way to recoup. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm I'm one of those personalities that's like, okay, I know I can do this. Let's figure out how. And I and I've made some missteps as everybody does and you sort of have to figure your way. But um you know, you you, you if you want a career you fight for it. You know, you and, right. and you do what 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 works for your personality. Somebody else um with a different personality and a different background than mine might not feel comfortable doing what I did. You know, they may need well, a, a little bit more assistance. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting, Deb. A very wise man that I once worked for said that anything is a system as long as it works for you and that you can't try to force yourself into other people's systems. And, you know, especially with the publishing world going like a merry-go-round, I mean, you never know from one day to the next what's going to happen. And sounds like you kind of did a little bit of what I did, going from being traditionally published to hybrid, which is partially self-published, partially traditional, and then finally into self-publishing with maybe one book out there that's, traditionally published anymore for me yeah absolutely and and you have to sort of feel your way because it is terrifying and it's also sort of demoralizing because i i know you and i probably grew up all of us grew up thinking that you get a new york contract with one of you know one of the big publishers and you get hardcover a hard soft deal with national distribution you have made it. You know, that's the gold standard. You can't do any better than that. And unfortunately today you can do a lot better than that. <laughs> and um, you know, and it's hard to let go of that that sort of sort of, you know, romantic idea of being a writer in your in your garret and writing your deathless prose and somebody else takes care of all that messy business of selling books, you know. And we don't have to, you know, sully ourselves with that, you know, money, filthy lucre. And um, it's not that way anymore. Right. What do you see as the the current changes and how how have they affected your your sort of your new adventure in publishing? In terms of... Well, the current changes. I mean, some of the some of the rumors that are going on about how Amazon is, is doing the ranking and... You know, once once you enter into that self pub world, um, I mean, I made that transition too. It was it was a little bit shorter than yours, but it uh, you know what a what a minefield to step in, and you're reading all these things that you know Amazon is changing About the number the of reviews you need and all that stuff. Yeah, 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 what, yeah. What, what do you what do you see as some of the current issues that are out there? Well, for me personally, I think that the very best thing that a writer who is going our route can do is to build your personal relationship with your readers. And so that means building a social media presence and especially, especially number one marketing thing is build your email list and of people who like you, who want to read your stuff, who will talk about your stuff, whatever. And sometimes it's a slow slog you know, to get people to sign up for your newsletter or, or whatever. But those people are golden. And and what you've done is you've eliminated Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Kobo or Apple or whoever from the mix. And so if Amazon decides to change their their payout and I don't like it anymore, I'm not gonna leave all my readers at Amazon. I'm I have contact with those readers, and hopefully they will follow me and buy, you know, buy my book at Barnes and Noble if they're still there, or whoever else, or Apple. You know, Apple is certainly the the most um, obvious contender to Amazon, but you know, Amazon is a Goliath, 
And I right. personally don't think they are um, a bad thing at all. In fact, they made it possible for me to be doing what I'm doing and talking to you about, you know, being a self-published right. author. If they hadn't come along, yeah, New York would have published me into a hole, and I'd be done. And I'd be trying to figure out a new a new series with a different name on it, you know, and and off we go again. And and so I I think Amazon's fine, but I'm also a business person, and I understand that Amazon's in this to make money, which cuts both ways. They have to treat writers fairly, or right. writers aren't going to give them products to sell. Um, but they can also do things that we don't like that won't compel us, aren't so bad that it won't compel us, you know, that it will compel us to leave, but that we sort of have to figure out, is this good enough for us? You know, are we are we still making enough money? Are we still getting the exposure that we need? You know, et cetera, et cetera. And right. so it's, it's well, all a give and take business transaction. Yeah, right, I'm going to exactly. jump in here for a minute, too, with a question about Amazon. You know, not only now are they a force, well, the biggest force on the Internet, but with the opening of the store in Seattle, the uh, brick-and-mortar store, now I've just uh, put an article into the upcoming Writer's Tricks of the Trade e-zine, which will publish on March 15th, that from a reliable source it comes that Amazon might be planning on opening three to 400 brick-and-mortar stores which means that they're going to yeah, go head-on-head can... head with Barnes yeah. & Noble. And, right. I mean, once again, we're going to have another twist of the, of the you know, linchpin there. How yeah, do you feel I'm about not sure that? how that's going to play out. That's, that's going to be interesting to see how that goes. I mean, Barnes & Noble, in, in my opinion, I mean, they have treated me horribly, so I am not a big fan of Barnes & Noble, and they have treated a lot of writers I know horribly. Yeah. They could just care less about right. national lay-down dates. And, you know, the last well, hardcover Lucky that I had published by New York was never, it was not on sale anywhere in Las Vegas. Really? The day it, it published. Nowhere. Wow. And it's a oh, Las wait, Vegas wait, wait. book. Smith. Yeah. Okay. Smith <laughs> and the Barnes & Noble couldn't keep it in stock. The first three, you know, hardcovers, they couldn't keep it in stock. They were reticent to reorder. And then, and they had the fourth book. They just didn't care enough to, to make sure it got on the shelf. I was apoplectic. But, you know, what good did that do? And they could right. care. They're, as, as Eric said, they're a toy store now. You know, they're yeah, not they're a bookseller. No. And, yeah, you go in there and you you want a book and they got to order it for you. And it's like, well, yeah. I'm an Amazon Prime member. I can order it and have it delivered to my front door tomorrow. Right. Right. And they're, they're going to lose. Barnes and Noble is going to lose in that paradigm. Yeah, they're done. But yeah, they're done. Yeah. yeah. Well, Amazon and, at this point, if they have the you know a lot of brick and mortar stores between the power from the internet and the power from the brick and mortar. God, it's going to be a, another whole different world. Well, and I'm not reading it doesn't affect the authors badly. Pardon me? No, I said I, I hope I, it doesn't I, affect the authors in, in a bad way because they re- really will be holding the big hammer. Well, they well, already are. I don't think um, so. I think Deb are, is right because the author... It's it's kind of like the 1900s again, where the you know the author is the new celebrity, 
in in a lot of ways, you know. I think for years, you know, no one knew what their favorite author looked like. And now Right. Oh, well, that's true. Are, Good point. Like Deb says, by force of business, they have to be out in the public eye and and on social media and, and, and whatnot. They bring their audience with them. So it's not about the brick and mortar or even Amazon, you know, because if Amazon doesn't work out, there will be something else out there. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be an outlet. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, we're I always going to find a way to. Yeah, we're going to find a way to to sell our stories, and there are always going to be people that want to read stories. I mean, that is our history as a human race. But you know, our our I oral history. Hear. You can't hear me. No. Can you hear me? Yeah, I don't know. Our or, connection tonight has not been good. My my calls have been dumped three times already. Um, no, so no, we'll dear. just hang in there, guys. We'll just hang yeah. in there. The wonders right. of uh, the Internet. Um, I you know, know, I'm I curious, know, Deb, after, after sure. writing all of the Lucky O'Toole books and now you're launching this new romance series, is that going to be a big change for you, writing romance? And what made you decide to do that? Are you trying to hit two different markets or just, you know, well, spreading your wings or what's happening? Oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a complete idiot when it comes to to planning my stories and, and writing myself into a career. And I just can't help myself. But... I, I do. I am always attracted to stories that have strong characterization and relationships that matter. Now, it doesn't have to be, you know, a romance. It can be a friendship. It can be whatever. Um, that doesn't matter. So, all of my stories, no matter what genre I'm going to write in, will have that as sort of a a pillar that's holding up the rest of the story. And the 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 wine book, and, and it's actually part of a series, um, as we said, the Heart of Napa series, but there are five friends, uh, women, all women, and I wanted to write their stories. And I was going to write a typical women's fiction book where you have, you know, four friends in a book and they all are dealing with something and by the end it's all figured out and everybody drinks wine. But um, I found that I just couldn't put... I could have put five women fully fleshed out with all of their life and their story and their motivations and their you know all of that in one book. I mean it would be it would be a doorstopper. And and so I split it up into a series and so of the five women, each woman they all will be in each story, but each woman will get to tell her story in a particular book. And so each woman will get her own book. And so, um, and it and it has to do with, it, anyway, I'm not going to spoil it because I don't want anybody to, to take my idea, but it, it actually has <laughs> a really cool, um, a, really, a really cool connection with Napa and Sonoma, um, which I really adore. And so much so that I'm moving to San Francisco on Friday. But, oh, cool. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. My son and daughter-in-law live there, so... Um, Marriott is going to be very happy. So if I mean very unhappy. So if you own Marriott stock, sell because I will not be keeping the um, uh, the 
Fisherman's Wharf Marriott in business. Anymore. Yeah, you had a so <clears throat> you had a sweet place there. Those those sunrises over uh, San Francisco Bay were oh, yeah. really spectacular. Was that not awesome? That was that a was VRBO incredible. I found. Wow, yeah, really? It was, oh, that was it was, cool. Yeah, it was incredible, and it had been owned by a novelist. And oh, um, and all of his children, who are our age um, now, they own it. He's gone, and they are all in some creative endeavor, whether it's a playwright or a photographer. Or so, uh, and so I was like, I have to rent who this place. Who oh God, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that. I can't. I can't pull it off the top of my head. But all right. well, um, email, email me um, when you remember. I will. I will. Okay, so, so I, I have um, to ask you fun. another question. Got to ask you another question. Um, the character Lucky. How did you come up with her name? I mean, it works so well as part of the title of a series, and I'm sure <laughs> a lot of people totally ask you how much Deborah is in Lucky, because I know when my sister and I <laughs> came up with the Silver Sisters, um, there's a little of each of us respectively in Golden and Godiva. Right. Right, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I mean, we always you know, know what always, they're going to do because we know their personalities. Sure, right. sure. Um, my stock answer to to that is that um, Lucky is younger than I am, prettier than I am, taller than I am, drives a better <laughs> car, has a better job, and has makes better choices than men. But other than that, we're the same. <laughs> so, um, She's kind of your wannabe. <laughs> I love that answer. Well, you know, it's it's really funny. I have an I have an aunt who is uh, four years older than I am. So we were raised as sisters. She's my mother's half sister, and um and she's an avid reader. And and we're, we're as close as sisters. And so when I wrote Want to Get Lucky, I I sent the manuscript to her and said, Tell me what you think. And she calls me up. And she didn't even say hello. She just said, Lucky is the woman you always wanted to be. And I was like, oh, well, thank perfect. you. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Thanks so much. Right. <laughs> I'm, 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 so, well, I'm so happy as, you as, caught that. But. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, once you, there, there's a connection there for sure. But as all writers, we kind of conceive and develop characters in different ways, but sometimes in, in kind of very similar ways. And I know you and I have had this conversation before, Deb, but don't sometimes certain characters sort of have a tendency to haunt you? I mean, that's what happens to me. I mean, late late at night or when I'm out to dinner at a party or, you know, always when I'm away from my computer. You've had a few of your characters sort of burst at the seams like that for you too, right? Totally. Yeah, totally. I, um, I mean, Lucky does it from time to time. And she will. That woman will always catch me in the shower, and you know I I never have anything to write on. I've I've been known to take the soap and write things on the glass of the shower, so I didn't forget it um, by the time I got got the showers the shower, are wonderful but, places for creation. Yeah, I used to they are, and waterproofing. She wakes me up in the middle of the night. You know, and and I keep a pad by the by my bed, and especially when I'm really mired in her story and hear her voice, and she comes up with some great one-liners at about two thirty in the morning. So oh, that's where I do that. Yeah, the, and, uh, yeah. you have a lot of great one-liners in your books. So 
Well, then character development. <laughs> Those are the things that you always wish you could come up with on the fly, you know, and it takes me six months no, to come yeah, up with them. No, it doesn't happen. No. Yeah, it's 2.30 in the morning when you're asleep. Yeah, okay. Here's, here's circling back. Here is the answer to your question. The man who owned the place that I rented was Oakley Hall, and he actually he was um, very famous for um, writing novels primarily of the historical American West. And his most famous book, Warlock, was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction in 1958. So there you go. I'm going to have to read that. Well, character development plays an important part in any book, and even more important in a series. Let's let's talk about your fans for a little bit. We've got to wrap up in about seven minutes, but... Tell us, tell us about your fans. Have they liked a particular character more than others? And on the reverse side, have they really disliked any of your characters? <laughs> um, my characters haven't gotten much hate mail, um, which is nice. Uh, it's funny because people do get attached to certain characters. And I, when I first started writing, I was really sort of caught off guard by the fact that that people just didn't sort of go with Lucky and and you know just no, follow no, Lucky's no. story, they wanted to hear about you know her assistant Miss P. They everybody wanted to know what Miss P's story was, and they love her mother Mona, and they love to hate her mother Mona, and um, you know she's one of those people that will drive you to the edge and then redeem herself at the very last minute, and. Um, and so people will write me, and, and they really have gotten caught up now in the men and which men man they like more for Lucky um, over another. And, you know, the funny thing about Want to Get Lucky was I wrote it as a standalone. I never thought about writing a series. I just I just wanted to see if I could write a novel and finish it and tie it up tidy and off we go. And, you know, it was great. I sold it. And they said, okay, well, what what are you going to write for the sequel? And I was like, sequel? You know, what? <laughs> and so then I had to um, sort of go unwind a few things that I had tied up tidy in the first book. And so that Lucky had, you know, some sexual tension and, and the men, you know, had to do bad things and redeem themselves and whatnot just to keep it interesting. You know, it's real life, and um, there are no perfect women, and there certainly aren't any perfect men, and so it's fun to play with imperfections in these stories. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. You you know, you accept it. No, not me um, accept it, just the whole whole gender. But I think there's lots of perfect women, by the way. Oh, 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 yeah. The curse of the Y chromosome, are you kidding? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know better. I Laura, know. Laura um, no, Laura's sitting in the room with me, so that's why. Well, tell her hey. My wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell her hey. Did you guys ever drink any of that red wine that we pressed? Um... Remember? I don't know. Some of that, I, I forget which I was one you were in on. They Some of them didn't turn out so great. Some of them, some of them no. do, some of them don't. It's it's about a 50-50 yeah. proposition. I, I forget yeah, well. which one. Do you remember what the name of the one was we pressed? No. I mean, the grapes were Nebbiolo grapes, I think, but oh, I don't oh, remember. Oh, the Nebbiolas turned out good. That turned out well. 
Yeah. That's oh, good. Out. The Tuscan, the yeah, sort I'm of so Italian glad I got Tuscan. Some. Yeah, yeah, that turned out I thought pretty good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Okay, well. Yeah, hang on to that. That'll age. <laughs> okay, well, I've got to kind of catch up with you guys because my call was dropped again. It just doesn't oh, like no. me tonight. Oh, okay, wow. yeah. We were wondering yeah. why you went silent. Unbelievable. You were going radio silent. Right. Well, we're here. We're chattering away. Oh, good, exactly. good. Well, we're... Yeah, we're, I mean, this I, doesn't sound very you. professional, but it's really frustrating when every time I look, my call drops. Oh, that's well, crazy. that's the way it Maybe goes. Maybe storm. Am I getting a message from above? <laughs> no. Remember there... <laughs> Remember there was that storm on another show that, that it kept knocking yeah. out the power in New York. It, maybe it's raining or snowing in New York again. Um, I don't know. I don't radio. know. But I, I don't know if I'm jumping in at a bad time here, but I'm curious about um, outside of your main characters, if you bring others back into the book or if you have ones that are a one-shot wonder and then maybe – some other minor characters that might turn up a couple of books later. Do you ever do that? Oh, I, oh yeah, I want to bring them all back. I mean, and it's and it's funny. I work so hard on my characters because I just love them, and and so they are they are real people to me, and they are fully developed. And when they go home, they're just away for a bit, and if I need them again, um, they will come back. And I've I've brought a few back, and I've had great fun with it, and I I will always bring them back if there's a need in the story for their character. Um, if there's some part that they can play that would be you know wickedly funny, um, I will I will definitely bring them back. And yeah, I like all of them. I mean, there aren't any that I don't like. Yeah, that's kind of fun when you're writing a series because especially for the reader, you know, if they have a a character that they really liked and then all of a sudden two books later the character turns up again and it's like seeing an old friend, you know. Right, exactly. And in fact, in the last Lucky book, Lucky Break, which came out in November, I actually brought back um, Lucky's nemesis from the first book. And he'd been in jail, and he got out of jail on a technicality and and is coming after her. Uh-oh. And so I had a lot of fun because I didn't think that I had really explored his wickedness enough. And and so I had great fun with that. And, and um, yeah, he came back. So, But I had sort of planned that from the beginning, um, oddly enough. I thought, you know, I'm I'm going to bring him back. I don't think Lucky's finished with him yet. And turns out I was wrong. So yeah. it was fun. Yeah. It was great fun. Well, it's a nice device to be able to use in a series. Yeah, oh, my, we're almost out of time here. Um, yeah, we've, we've got less you know, than two minutes. Yeah, I'm going to jump ahead. How did that tell, I'm going to um, tell listeners that they can... <laughs> Hey, okay, you guys, hey, hey, I want to tell listeners to where to do? find Deb. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so... That's com. That's D-E-B-O-R-A-H-C-O-O-N-T-S dot com. 
For me, it's morganstjames-author.com, and that's S-T-J-A-M-E-S. And Eric's website is www.venicedude.com. Okay, now we've got all that (laughs) in. We've actually got one whole minute left. (laughs) Well, I mean, it has been so much fun talking to you, you know, and and this is how it always goes. You know, we, we run out of time. You know, just when we're getting ramped up, but right. I hope that I got enough of the publishing nuggets, as, at least as as my experience has has taught me recently. And one of the things I wanted to say real quickly was I don't know if you guys noticed it, but you know they've been touting that that print sales are up um, at the end right. of last year, and if you dig deeper, it turns out that the print sales are discounted hardcovers through Amazon. So I thought huh. that was really interesting. It's not, it's not. you know, there may be a little bit of indie bookstores, God bless them, and they're wonderful, and I'm so glad they're there, and I try and support them whenever I can. Um, they have they have done a little bit better, but it isn't anybody else selling print books. It's it's Amazon discounting them. That's it's still very interesting. Yeah, because Amazon. all the reports say that print books are holding their own. And even yeah, going well, up a little bit. Yeah, well, they're being sold through Amazon and their adult coloring books. That was a big thing last year. Yeah, um, you that, know, that I never thought adult coloring books would go over. And my God, they've become the sensation. Yeah. I'm like, who has time? Yeah. Isn't that one of those ideas where you go, I wish I'd come up with that? No well, yeah, yeah, there's all kinds of no. indie presses coming up on crazy. With that stuff. I know, but if you've got, you know, if you got a good story and you get it well edited and proofed and put a professional cover on it, by God, you publish indie, you get to keep 70%. Right. Yeah. It takes a while, you know, to develop a readership, but it takes a while to develop one through New York, too. Yeah. Yeah. So well, they're the important not... thing is to write, write, write. you got to keep writing. That's that's where I've fallen down on the job. Um. You know, I've struggled a little bit with that recently, too. Yeah, I've gotten sidetracked on all this business stuff. Well, Well, that's part of the thing with being an indie author. Yeah, part of the thing with being, well, even when you're not an indie author, I mean, so much of your time goes into marketing and promotion and glad-handing and, you know, all the different things it takes to keep your books out there. Yeah, yeah, and New York expects you to do just exactly what you do as a, you know, as an indie author. They expect the same thing. And yeah. so, you know, I was telling, I have an agent in New York who's absolutely delightful and wonderful, and he, he's patiently waiting for me to deliver this thriller project that I'm, um, it's actually really, really cool. I'm excited about it, but um, to let him shop it. But I told him, I said, you know, I said, you know, I'm doing okay as an indie, and, and New York's going to have to bring something to the table that I can't do myself. And right. in order to keep 85% or 87% of of the proceeds, you know, they're going to they're gonna have to, you know, prove that they're worth it. And right. I think he gets it, unfortunately. I think he wishes for, you know, the old universe um, where we didn't, authors didn't have another option. But... Right. The gate, you know, the cat's out of the bag, as they say. Right. Well, the um, yeah. What is, is that? Past and present, or is that flying high? Um, that actually is. Um, it, 
I'm not even sure what it's called on my website because it is the project without a name. It is driving oh. me nuts. But <laughs> oh. um, yeah, but it's it's got some really cool. It's actually completely written. It's been through two editors, and I just need to um, rewrite um, a certain portion of it um, that needs to be flanged up a bit. It isn't quite up to my standards, but it's a really cool chase book. It's a woman in jeopardy book, and um, it's got some cool cutting edge science in it, oh, cool. and it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's a good idea. So how many hours I just need, you know, I tell my friends, I said as many as possible. You know, some days, you know, two or three, some days ten. You know, it just. Depends on what you know, whether I'm launching a book, whether I'm updating my website, whether you know what you know, whether I'm moving to California, you know, <laughs> and um, you know those those things take a bit of time, but that's okay. Well, I hate no, to bring it up, guys, right. but we we have run out of time. Um, what we've talked about now, after the or 45 minutes, um, it'll still be on the archived copy. So, oh, cool. you know, just so you know, we're off the clock now. Right. Okay. Nobody's listening to us live anymore, huh? No, nobody's listening to us live. But I'll tell you, we have so many more listeners that listen to the podcast because they can listen to it at their own speed and when it's convenient for them. Sure. Right. Sure. Right. Yeah, and that's—I mean—that's really what everybody is is about these days. Everybody's life is so frantic, you know, and we we're all chasing around like mad. And so to be able to pull it up when we have when we have time and you know a few brain cells to to listen to nice things. <laughs> the few brain cells, yeah, we're well, like I, hamsters in a wheel. It kind of is. I it's, know. It's a matter of of personal choice. With I'm getting to the point. I'm trying to train myself. It's a it's a personal choice, you know, what you're doing that you're, you know, it, it's, it's sensory overload at a, at a point, you know, and, and, totally. and yeah. it's almost, it's addictive. It's very, very addictive. And, and it's, and it's like the personal choice is, wait a minute, I'm going to disconnect from that for 48 hours, you know, right. or, or 72 hours right. or something, and just see what that feels like and kind of remember what 1990 felt like before cell phones and the Internet, you know. <laughs> I mean, we're all old enough. To I know. That. It's like, what did we do? And, yeah, what the hell yeah, did what, we do back then? What did we, we do? Were twiddling our thumbs? But then when I think about yeah. it, I was seeing more bands. I was seeing more movies. I was hanging out with my friends a lot more. You know what I mean? I mean, there's, yeah, it, it we get so yeah. obsessed with our cell phones. Yeah, and I want that lifestyle back. Yeah, I do. I do too. Yeah, and that's, I want that's it back. I like, yeah, I don't. Well, I don't like the way it's gone, and we're we're also removed from each other. We hide yeah. in our little boxes, and we and we look at our little screens. And well, San Francisco. You know, I don't like uh, that, and I don't. Right. It's an amazing you know, it's town. You are out and about. Yeah, you're going to be able to get yeah, out and about and be a part of your community and your neighborhood. Um, that's a great town. Yeah, and it's, you know, I go at, at night, there's, you know, there's places where you go, restaurants, and, you know, you sit at the bar, right. and it's a local place, and you see your neighbors, and you have a glass right. of wine, and you chit-chat, exactly. and you get to know these people, and, right. um, you know, I really like that. Are you going to be teaching that. up there? 
Are you going to be teaching up there again? No, no. Just going to be writing. Sweet. Just going to be writing and doing my thing. So, and hanging with my kids. And, um, you know, I miss my kids and being right. away from it's just my son and daughter in law. So, I, I only have one biological child, but my daughter in law is the daughter I would have um, right. chosen if given the option. And, and my son chose well. And he cool. um, he and his wife have been together for 12 years, 13 years, and they're only, you know, 30 and 31, so oh, wow. they've been together a while. Yeah. yeah, so they met when they were 18 and 19. Oh, cool. So, um, well, we may have to, yeah, uh, so, Laura I has mean, a real good friend at Stanford up there, and um, we have... Uh, I have some friends from McAllister from college up there and a cousin in San Francisco. We keep on talking. we got to go to San Francisco and see Jackie and Alan and now Deb. Well, absolutely. <laughs> now you have to come see find, me. I'll be the us, tipping point. I'll be good, the one that finally throws you over the edge. Huh? Exactly. Find us a good tapas restaurant up there. I'm sure there's about a dozen. Oh, way more than that. You know, small yeah. plates are are all the rage. So yeah, they are. It it just depends on exactly what what sort of uh, presentation you want. You know, right. San Francisco has unseated New York as as the foodie capital of the world. I heard that. And officially, not just yeah, cool. yeah. They've always so, had great food. I'm not sure who makes those sorts of pronouncements, but whoever has made that pronouncement has decided. San Francisco is it, and they're they're pretty impressive. You know, they've got they've yeah. got some good stuff. I haven't been there in years. So, what are you guys doing doing with with all your writing? And I keep up with you, you know, through various missives. And are you having fun? Fun and pressure. <laughs> Isn't that the question? Fun and pressure. When is it pressure? Yeah. Yeah. What do you feel? Um, what what pressure do you feel the most? Oh, just that I have so many projects on the board that I want to be working on, and I can only work on one of them at a time. But I keep intermingling. So I don't know if yeah. you know, Deb. I'm writing true crime now too. So um, you know, you, you get very into you get very into the subject of of the person whose book you're writing, and I find that I have right. Hello. I think she dropped again. Oh yeah. She's gone. Morgan. Yep, she's gone. Oh, that's too bad. Um, well, I've just been—I mean, I've been working on WSN so much. It's—it's it's been taking a lot of my. Yeah, how's that going? It's going pretty well. We're we're yeah. membership based now, and and we're actually. Um, getting ready to launch a, a speaker's bureau and a podcast, and we're doing a writer's retreat this year. And our painted stories oh, series got picked up a lot um, by the Clark County Library, so we're doing four shows with them this year, and they're paying all of our artist stipends and author stipends. So, you know, we're it, – but it's just, you know, as an organization, it takes a lot to run a nonprofit like that. and you know, keep our heads above water. Oh, it's thankless work. Yeah. It, it is a little bit thankless, yeah, yeah. but, you know, the, but then at the uh-huh. same time, I'm like, well, that's about all else I'm doing, so, but it's inter- it is interfering with my writing, 
unfortunately. Well, I mean, everything does, and you have to find that balance where, yeah. you know, you wouldn't do the WSN if it didn't feed your soul. So, exactly. you know, you have to find the balance between doing that work, which gets you out, you know, and is a great counterpoint to, you know, the solitary aspect of of a writing life. And, yeah, and so it's a it's a really good balance because I think you're you're a little bit more of an extra extrovert like I am. You like people, you like to talk to people, and and be out and about. And and writing is it doesn't feed that. So yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I hope I can come sometime to one of your one of your shows for sure. And being in yeah. uh, being in San. Being in San Francisco, I'll be. It doesn't sound closer, but it's a lot closer in Texas. Yeah, it is. Well, and Laura goes up to uh, Reno a good bit, about once a month for for work. And I've I've gone up there a couple times with her, and those have been great. That's those have been the disconnect times where I've got. I almost have the sequel finished. I just it needs to go through an oh, edit. Good. And actually, would you? Who do you use in, as an editor? I'm looking for a new editor. Is, is it well, tell me, that, uh, um, do you want somebody who's a, a mystery type editor? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I like um, Charlotte Hersher. I will um, send you her contact information. You can talk to her. I use her for my okay. mystery thrillers. And um, she came recommended through um, Allison Brennan. And I think Charlotte worked for Random House or, you know, she has a traditional publishing background, um, uh-huh. traditional publishing editing background. So, um, you know, you can scope her out and see, see if she might might jive with what you want. You know, a lot of it's personality, oh. too. they got to sort of get the project. Yeah, it yeah. is, yeah. Um, but uh, that's... That's kind of the name. And I'm kind of doing like I have a novella that should be out and it's not, and now I'm doing these, I'm starting these bridge blog things, where I'm talking with each character in the building or setting up conversations in the apartment complex that weren't part of the book, so you get to see right. the sub characters sort of interacting separately from the stuff that happened in the book and. Because I went through that same oh, thing. Cool. Some people really liked certain characters in at three, you know, in Venice. Everybody was a nut in three ninety nine Broadway. But <laughs> I know, know which is fun. It is fun, yeah. Some people identified yeah. with, you know, the astronomer. Some people identified with the the chick in the band, you know, and and stuff like that. Right, and, right, sure. Um, so I want to I want to sort of have those those. Uh, uh, somewhat organic mailbox conversations between the sub sub characters. I just did a really neat one. Um, I'll let you know when it when it comes out. It was my personal experience of going through the Northridge earthquake, but I got to transfer that <clears throat> into into one of my characters. So one of the other characters is asking him what it was like to be there in Venice during the Northridge earthquake. And, you know, it's just a short little, like, 2,000-word, you know, sort of a blog post. Not even that, probably about 1,200. And I think it's really – I've been wanting to write about the Northridge earthquake for years, and I got to 
transfer that into a character. You know what I mean? Right, right, yeah. Well, and some of my... um, Yeah, I mean, I I did exactly the same thing in my Napa series, which was I wanted to take sort of, you know, certain aspects of of a woman's journey, you know, through her life and different different things that happened, you know, to our gender and, and, you know, in magnitude, and put it in a story, you know, and so to put that experience in a story. Like the last 50 years or 40 years kind of thing? We've come a long way, yeah. and in some ways we haven't. So. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, and it's funny because the first book, um, Crush, the protagonist, it's a romance, but the protagonist is in her 50s, and she has yeah, adult children. And and so, you know, she personifies sort of where, you know, what societal expectations were of women and, and that sort of thing when she was young. And she's Italian, and um, which exacerbates those things. And so... Um, I got to play with with some of that about being being a more passive uh, person. You were taught to you know take care of everybody else, but not take care of yourself. And then she's right. put to a test where she can't do that anymore. So she has to make a choice. And so I like that. You know, it was it was sort of fun. But yeah, it's fun to, to you know. set those little sort of minefields up for yourself and then navigate through them, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Because even when you outline... But it was really... Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, even when you well, outline, you, you make some neat discoveries along the way when you have those kind of self-imposed trip-ups. Right. And and the book, the book did not become the book that it needed to be until I went to a Donald Moss seminar. It was a one-day thing up in New York. And I was sitting there, and he was talking about, you know, and he said, okay, he said, think of the book that you're working on, and, you know, we're all thinking about our stories. And he said, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen to your protagonist? And you think about that. And he says, okay, make it happen. You know, and we're going, oh, you know. And then he says, okay, now what's the worst thing that can happen to your protagonist? make that happen, you know, and so, you know, he did like three or four iterations of that, and, and the whole thing was, you know, to dig deep, really down deep, you know, and and I had an aha moment, I was like, oh my God, you know, of course, you know, and um, and so I made that happen, and um, and then it became the book that I wanted it to be, but it's, you know, it's funny how... Um, how you have to go through some of those thought processes, and especially when you're writing a book that is, um, you have a little bit more time to wax poetic about things emotional. You know, it's got to be pretty deep. You know, it does. <laughs> you can't just pop along the surface. No. Yeah. Some of, um, and I think that Amazon has been a has been a blessing to authors, but it's also been a curse in that there's there's a number of of books that are out there that are written without that emotional intensity. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's the hardest thing to do ever as a writer, and it's the most terrifying. Yes. You know, you're uncomfortable with it, and then you have that voice in the back of your head going, oh, my God, this is so over the top. You know, this is so over the top. People are going to laugh at me. 
And those are the scenes, and it's funny, even in Lucky, those are the scenes where I went, you know, oh, God, this is so over the top. People are going to snicker about this. Those are the scenes I get the emails about, and they're not snickering, you know. And so it was a great lesson um, to not trust my gut on that and to um, go ahead and throw it in there. People really like that stuff, and it's important. And it's funny, the reviews that I've gotten on Crush just in the short amount of time, the two adjectives that keep coming up are um, uh, layered and nuanced. (laughs) Nuanced is the the word of 2016. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Well, then I'll take layered. um, No, it's a great word. It's It's a great word. yeah, it is a great word. And, um, I, of course, I looked at nuance and I went, you, you mean there's nuance in that book? I don't think so. <laughs> Not intentionally. But, um, you, think it's a, you think it's a little on the nose? <laughs> it, it should be pretty much on the nose, yeah. But, um, yeah. but isn't that, isn't I don't that know. sort of it's the... It's all fun. Yeah, it's all fun. I mean, isn't that sort of the rules, too, of roman- romantic comedies? I mean, you, you kind of have to follow the sort of the fan desire, right? A little bit more in romance? Well, sure. In any genre. I don't care what genre you're writing. Yeah, that's There true. are certain elements that need to be in a thriller, and if they're not there, the thriller yeah. readers are going to be pissed, you know? Yeah. And And it's the same. Romance writing genre, you know, or category romance is very formulaic. And, yeah, I thought as you so. know, that's and that's that, is, yeah. that is not what, I, what I've done. And what I've done no. is I've written... I've really written a woman's fiction book that has a really great romance. Um, But but it's, you know, it's more, there's more to it than than just, you know, boy meets girl. Boy and girl think they like each other, then boy and girl hate each other, and then they get back together, and then they lose each other, and oh my God, they're never going to get together, and then, oh, magic happens, you know. Right. um, You know, the red parts, and they can be together. Yeah. But that's what you yeah. do, and then you yeah, have satisfied readers, and they read the next one. Right, right. Yeah, and perfect. so, and and I, there's certainly a place for that, and there are a ton of people that love it, and and those readers are absolutely rabid, and I would love for some of them to find merit in you know what I've tried to do, and I hope they do. And, oh, I'm sure they will. Um, I've given I've given them a little bit more than a normal romance if that if that makes sense and and either they'll like it or or they really just you know wish that I cut to the chase you know and and left all that other stuff out and and it's a, it'll be a matter of personal taste you yeah. know and that's and that's fine and that's and, fine and exactly. that's fun yeah, yeah. yeah. well. Cool. Give Laura a hug for me, and I hope I see you I guys will. soon. And thanks so much for having me on. And, yeah, uh, well, I hope I didn't talk we, um, too much. So. Oh no, no, it was it was it was great. I I thought when when Morgan said she had originally reached out to you, I thought she was um, talking about an April interview, and her and Denny were doing a a show tonight with um, somebody else, and. Uh, uh, and so I was like, oh, wow, well, I'm glad okay. it worked out the way it did. Yeah. It worked out great. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, it's fun getting caught up. And, and uh, yeah, the next time you're in uh, Las Vegas, give us a shout. And, and uh, would, uh, I, I don't think we haven't met your husband. We haven't met your new husband. 
So. Oh, I don't have one. No. Oh. No, I don't have one. Oh, your boyfriend. No. Yeah. The guy you travel with all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, <laughs> that guy. We, yeah. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, Barcelona. I used to like getting together at Barcelona. You know, that was that was that was fun talking yeah, we'll about stuff. And there's uh, yeah. there's a couple of new places. Well, I'm I'm sure you know that the last time you were here, we were up in Reno actually, and uh, there's always new restaurants in Las Vegas. But then there's sort of the old, oh, yeah. the ones that you like and that you want to revisit, but. Um, yeah, well, I have a couple of gift cards to a really great Thai place on the north side of town. It's absolutely fabulous, and so we'll have to go oh, there at least one night oh, cool. if, if you like Thai. We love Thai. Yeah, we love Thai. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fun. Oh, cool. It's really good. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, congratulations well, I will on give the heart you of Napa and everything. Oh, thank you. Right. Thank you, and thanks cool. for, you know, chatting with me and and. You know, it would be great to see you guys when that happens, and I hope I'll be in Vegas in April, and uh, I'll give you a heads up and see if you guys are around. Cool. Cool. All right, Deb. Well, take care. And, um, yeah, do send me Charlotte Hersher's um, contact information if you you would. And uh, I'll reach out to her. I'll make a note of it right now. I will do it right now. Because I just I love the okay. uh, actually I got invited to talk at CSN to a creative writing class because of the Indian backstory, the Native American backstory that I was talking to the teacher about on a separate topic, and um, she was like, "You need to come talk to my class. You know all about this and your passion." Blah 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 blah. And I was like, "Okay, I can go talk to CSN." How fun. students. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Cool. Um, so it's just. It needs to get published, though. It's that for rent haunted neon. It's a great title. It needs to get, it needs to get uh, finished. So. Yes. Well. Well. <laughs> I'm gonna use I'm two, four hours a day. Four hours a day. That's what I need to work okay. on. Okay. Cool. Okay. All right. Talk to you Good. later, then. Well, get writing. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> okay. I will. You Talk too. Talk to you later. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.